This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall. Uh, joining me as always, Steve Mareska and Matt Fasaro. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Uh, so I think we're going to take a discussion in a slightly different direction, at, at least as it relates to sort of data privacy and data usage than maybe we often do, right? I think we have had conversations around, you know, social media and the way the data is used there. And, and you know, maybe some of your really common shopping sites, but I think, you know, we, we've been having a conversation around sort of personal data that's available in the, in the public domain. And, you know, I think as we chatted about it, we all had sort of different ideas of what types of data that might be available. Steve probably has spent the most time sort of utilizing public data for a variety of reasons, but, um, you know, I, I say treat this a little bit as an as an informational session around, you know, what data simply does the you know the government collect in some cases and make public, and and you know sort of what types of personal data is available uh, that that is, that isn't being mined necessarily by these sort of larger companies. Um, Steve, I know you you had a you had an interesting stat around sort of data disclosures or data breaches that I thought was kind of telling in this. Sure. So it is a little older, but in in 2019. For a country of 320, 325 million people like the United States, um, there were 6 billion some odd sensitive records that were swept up in some sort of disclosure or breach. And it's an interesting stat because they are the, the, they're the data that is regulated, that has an obligatory reporting component. So let's be specific about that. Social security numbers. Yeah. Right. Social security numbers, banking information, financial records, um, health data, stuff that has a law attached to it. You know, in terms of privacy, the United States is not exactly the most uh, fervent of countries in terms of protecting individual pieces of data, states. Right. Yeah, no federal law. So, yeah. Right. But that that's what that stat has to do with. We're talking about an entirely separate class of data. Um, I, and for sake of conversation, let's just focus on either data that is available merely as a side effect of an individual dealing with a municipality, a state government, what have you, or data that was perhaps given away freely as a result of engaging with a service or something like that. It's information that might not be top of mind. You might think, oh, that's private, but it's sitting out for the open, in the open for anyone to take. Um, so, I mean, let, let's talk specifics about it. At least, at least some of the types of data that's out there. You know, what, the one thing that always, I, at, least, at least you and I, Steve, worked in the public sector for a while, right? So one of the big things was salary data, yeah. the state, certainly. Uh, and, you know, and, and that data is used for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, you know, probably the big one is, you know, what is public salary versus private salary look like? You know, just sort of in aggregate. Uh, and, and certainly it was, the, uh, there was just the sensitivity around, well, salary data from a state level should be public. And so therefore it's made that way. And I think a lot of people don't understand that their salaries are of that visible right. from the state. But, you know, as a citizen of a state, you're a taxpayer. It, it makes sense in abstract that you'd be as a taxpayer able to see where your money's being spent. And so in that particular case, yes, uh, salaries were out in the open. You could find anyone. Um, there are lots of news stories written on them. You know, the... Uh, perhaps perceived to be excessive salaries of some individuals in places that were notable. Sure. But, you know, that's one area. But 
other other government specific things yep. like courts you know adjudicated outcomes of some capacity uh divorces you know they're they're sensitive um even as simple as Police blotters. Yeah. You know, right. you're arrested, they'll probably end up in some record somewhere. Exactly. That you'll be able to look up. And if you've ever wondered why uh, Florida is usually in the news for some <laughs> sort of crazy thing <laughs> that happened yep. with a criminal or a person who's unhinged, it's because Florida has a unique, uh, uniquely accessible police blotter for mm. its entire uh, populace. It's not the case everywhere. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to the state regulation of data in this particular context it's not the same everywhere that's why florida stands out um is that why florida stands out well yeah, i think there, there may be a couple <laughs> of the factors the there <laughs> otherwise it's perfectly normal it, it, well in this case it's the florida man meme <laughs> of sorts it's the humidity yeah yeah we'll go with that um it, so uh, other examples um many states not all require that voter affiliation be uh, disclose publicly. There are a lot of reasons for that that are legitimate, right? Um, prime, uh, primary voting, for example, um, to help campaigns with finding their particular likely voters. That information, if not publicly actually published, is accessible to entities that operate in the political sphere. Naturally, that means it bleeds outward to other places like marketers and aggregators and so on. Um, we're in an interestingly charged political climate right now. There are some people who may not want their affiliations disclosed. Uh, good example is the state of Connecticut. Um, you can fetch for free uh, voter affiliation data. Unsurprisingly, it's in a file format more affiliated with the mainframe. You need to understand how to <laughs> yeah. parse that sort of thing to make use of it. But it's there, though. It's there. It's there. Yeah. And there are websites that at least for this state and several others like it, um, make that available. Now, people are generally touchy on that. Many of these sites have been delisted from Google because of complaints, but they're still there if you know where to look. And the trouble is that if you, if you request that one of those aggregator sites remove your voter affiliation, it doesn't change the fact that the data is still accessible from the state. It's maybe less visible. Right. But it's still out there. Uh, and, and that disturbs some people. Yeah. And, and those aggregators, I think one of the challenges is if you get it from the, for say, the state or the government, right? That, that's one thing. You sort of understand that the data is there. Uh, it's when the aggregators start to collect data from a variety of sources. Right. And then and you kind of right. get, you can get redirected from what feels like a, say, a government site to a, you know, the, the, the private website that is collecting data from a variety of sources. That's really, frankly, Trying to get you to validate a whole variety of data elements and get you know sort of you know, better clarity of the data that they're actually you know combining. So a good example that we talked about prior to the segment was you know the white pages and the yellow pages, venerable institutions serving the public good hypothetically anyway. Um, people don't pick up their phones today if they don't know the number. Uh, there's good reason for that, and if you go to those websites which were legitimately useful 15, 20 years ago. Now they're more likely to push you toward, you know, background checks and for pay information. 100%. Yeah. Um, it's the same sort of problem ultimately. I mean, that, that whole, the whole business model has changed. Right? So th those white pages, yellow pages are good examples of having to adjust your, your business to, to meet the needs of today. Who picks up a, a phone book to look up a landline phone number that may, you know, that's been in existence for 20 years. Like right. those days are gone. 
So, you know, they had to, they had to morph into something. Uh, and unfortunately they sort of morphed into something that feels, uh, a little, a little underhanded. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, other good examples of, um, often public data, and I'll give two examples that I consider linked, um, property assessor data, tax data, um, how Zillow gets the estimated right. attacks, attacks of a, a property. Um, there's floor plans. There are pictures. Pi- yeah, right. photos, yeah. sometimes interior. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of those sites, you know, realtor.com, yeah. Zillow, all if you want to get those all, you have to actually go to those sites and request that data be removed. Right. Right. And yeah, that I means- did that with my house after we bought ours. You know, exactly. We all that. I think there's actually still one out there that I have to take care of. You but. have to do it to, you know, a thousand different sites yep. is the problem though. Right. Um, because your municipality, at least some municipalities, some counties uh, provide that publicly. Mm-hmm. Many states don't actually. Um, it depends upon open data laws in those locations. But the point is ultimately, if you want privacy, you may not have it even in what you consider to be your most private area, which is your home. And uh, th- there are lots of downstream of implications of that. So for example, the complementary example that I wanted to give in terms of assessor data is um, permit data. Mm-hmm. You can pull a permit to do something that has a high dollar amount, but it might be public. It's to some degree an advertisement for anyone who might want to acquire something of that nature from your house. Right. So, you know, it's the linkage of these things that becomes concerning to people, not in isolation necessarily. Yeah. So let's dive into that for a second. So I do feel like a lot of the conversations that we have um, sort, of, sort of go like this. You know, there's, you've got this data, the data is sensitive, whatever, whatever we call that data, right? And you should protect it. And very often I'm met with that response of, well, why? Like, w- what's the big deal if somebody were to get floor plans for my house? Or, you know, in the, in the example that you used a second ago, you know, if you file the permit for something that might have value, uh, you know, what's the likelihood and what's the, what's the real risk and do I really care? And we talked a little bit about salary, we talked a little bit about land records, we talked a little bit about tax records. In a way, I think it's, it's valuable to explore the, you know, what makes that risky. And or why should somebody care? Uh, because I think that's important because that's where people go naturally. I mean, to state the obvious here, if, if you've taken a permit for, you know, something that may have fundamentally a high value, somebody could use that to infer, oh, this is a building where there might be a safe with firearms. Oh, this is a, yeah. a, a, an electric vehicle I can steal. Things of that nature. Um, theft is easy, right? Yeah. Most, most of the time it's you know, how people will pick you being a target or not. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, your average criminal probably isn't doing something like no. that. They're more opportunistic, but um, if you've got things that are of special interest, like you said, especially with permits, you, you can find those pretty easily. We talk a lot about how the cost benefit goes into targeting for attackers. It, it just makes it more efficient in, in my opinion. Now, this is a common pattern of our our discussions, right? Here's the data. Here's what it implies. Here's the impact. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, truly. I'm going to pivot a little yeah, bit I here. Don't, I don't think yeah. this is a doom and gloom no, no, discussion, but it, can really. be, it could be perceived that way. Uh, open data of this sort is wildly useful mm-hmm. for, for even those that might be of the belief that their information is being exposed. So it's, it's about nuance and balance to some degree. I found my house by using public um, property card data, GIS data, in a county databases. 
it's a wonder to have it available. You can look up a Butters. Oh, I wanted, you know, public land. Yep, it's right there. Cross-reference with um, MLS listings and out pops, you know, five properties of the 5,000 that meet your qualities. You know, there are huge outcomes that, candidly, few services are actually making use of today that are probably on the horizon. But, you know, it's like anything else. Data can be used to support a perspective, whether nefarious or positive. So how concerned do we think, though, we need to be with some of this data? Like, you know, I, I, certainly, certainly there's people who really feel sensitive to voting records being, maybe not voting records, right, but voting history, let's say, uh, being public. Um, what advice do we have for people? Like, we, we certainly we don't have GDPR. We can't go asking you know, private sites typically to take down things too easily. Well, it, yes and no. And I do want to be clear. We're not talking about voting records. That's private, right? Yeah. Just to, to reassure everyone. Um, right. you, the, the voting, the, activ- the actual vote. Yes, right. right. The, the actual actions to take and the, the, the outcomes really have to do with where the data might reside. And you, you have two choices. The source, municipal, state, some public agency, some third party that publishes their data, you know, something like that, or the aggregators. Honestly, I, I would prefer to go after the aggregators in order to have my information removed because they're the path of least resistance for anybody who might make use of it, right? Those are data brokers, generally speaking. And that's a hugely deep rabbit hole that might lead us towards marketing and things that we're not really talking about right now. But we may not have GDPR, but we have a lot of companies that anticipate the arrival of such things and generally allow opt-outs. All of the data brokers of note in the United States, while they make it difficult, generally allow you to opt out of your records being published. You have to do them one by one. Just like so many of our conversations about credit bureau monitoring and freezes. Yeah, you have to go to every single one. There's no one place to do it. With the exception of like the do not call registry and things of that sort where there are laws to alter behavior uh, nationwide. Yeah, it, it does require effort. But if you hit the top of the market, you can generally do what you need to do. Other examples, you know, search engines. If you find that you've Googled yourself and you have a record you dislike, there are vehicles to actually remove that officially with the search engine. It's just a matter of actually going through the effort, perhaps with a lawyer, to file a complaint and have the the data removed. Right. So taking the time, maybe incurring the cost, uh, but there's legitimate ways to do it if you want to make the effort to, to, to expunge your data. Right. Yeah, and I think it's going to be different for everyone, right? You know, some people, they might not care if if a lot of this stuff is out there. And some people, it might affect them quite a bit. I mean, especially stuff like uh, your affiliation with a certain party. Right, right. right. Or criminal records, maybe. Or past criminal records. Exactly. Yeah, especially things like that. You know, for employment and whatnot. Um, You know, employers have have a right to go through a lot of that stuff. But there are certain things like, you know, let's say you have problems with your taxes or something like that. You don't necessarily want your employer knowing about it. Sometimes they make decisions. On hiring on that stuff, um, it's it's good to know that, that stuff is there, and that they're not they're not doing something illegal going and finding it out. It's, right. it's in the public, right? And yeah. and of course, you know the changing legal landscape, right? I mean, yep. with certainly things being decriminalized that may have you know landed you jail time in the past, 
you know, you, you don't necessarily want all of that visible. Yep. You make an interesting point or aside to changing legal landscape though. There are state laws that are beginning to actually hit the books um, in many states that are actually quite aggressive about GDPR-like capabilities, mm-hmm. yep. you know, right to be forgotten type issues. They're very specific to location. So, you know, we can't give too many ex- specific examples at the moment, but look up where, look up the laws of where you live. You may have some vehicles to actually uh, achieve some degree of privacy, which might be otherwise un- unattainable. Um, you know, I, I think start with the source when possible. That that's the key. Uh, really good examples of that. We have a lot of uh, educational customers. Students are protected under FERPA. Mm-hmm. It's a federal law. It it covers a great deal of um, individual information about students, grades, um, date of birth, you know, course information. Title IX protections have to do with uh, gender, preferred name, legal name, that sort of thing. If you're a student and you're in a college right now, or recently affiliated, you have the ability to request of that institution that your records not be disclosed without your permission. There are many other examples like that. HIPAA is a good one. Generally speaking, uh, HIPAA is not about protecting you individually. It's about (laughs) ensuring that there was a documentation trail for release of records between um, healthcare institutions. But the point is ultimately that you as an individual are in control of some of that data. Yeah, HIP is a good example of where you don't have a ton of control sometimes. I mean, if you ever try to apply for things like life insurance, or there's the, I believe it's the MIB group or whatever. It's, it's an organization that can legally under HIPAA receive right. all of your medical records to make a, a coverage decision. So even if you're protected under something like that, like Steve said, you, there are ways for them to obtain things that you would consider private records but as part of that protection they're allowed to do that as long as there's a trail right right as long as there's a right trail. right yeah. you know I, I think it is worth mentioning in passing stuff that we have deliberately tried to stay away from here but part of this is being cognizant of what information you're voluntarily giving up when you sign up for services we all click through an agreement when signing up for something that's a free service maybe think twice about it sometimes or look at privacy settings regularly make sure that they look like what they what you want them to be there's lots of information that we give up without thinking merely by browsing websites or making shopping decisions and it's not part of public data really per se but it's in the same sphere of things that can be used by aggregators to reason about you in ways that might be surprising and i want to mention um, a very specific example from 10 years ago. There was a slightly apocryphal, but still relatively validated story about a shopper of Target who uh, was sent flyers with pregnancy and maternity um, information in it. The parent of a younger person came in rather upset, uh, only to discover after the fact that no, the, the marketing flyer was distributed correctly and that the shopping habits of that individual did indeed indicate upcoming pregnancy. So it's it's just a example of how data when aggregated can be used in ways that are perhaps surprising. Sure, but but so I think you you've moved ahead a tiny bit, right? So you started talking now about social media and marketing and your know, purchasing habits and things like that. Though 
in a lot of ways, those are those are things that you can control. Right? Yeah. You don't have yeah. to. You don't have to use Facebook. Right? You don't have to buy via Amazon. Right? You you can you can be a little bit more anonymous. Um, if you vote, right, that record is just a record, and so your only alternative there is really not to vote. So I think that it is an interesting distinction or delineation there uh, for your data that you generate simply simply as a matter of matter of being you know part of society versus you know opting into say social media which is where i think you had it a little bit yeah i, I think i'll i'll even cut your sentence shorter J- data you generate as an an act of being as an act of being right. <laughs> yes right yeah, yeah it, it ultimately i think the message is there's more out there than people think um it's easy to find look for yourself i mean look in all of the venues we've talked about as examples your tax assessor to see what your house looks like. I think you might be surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we'll you know we'll wrap with what I think is probably a theme that we hit pretty regularly, which is simply you know be informed, uh, you know, under understand, uh, you know, in this case, right, we're not talking about private sites, right? Understand how data in the public domain is created and stored, and and what you might be, uh, you know, what might be out there about you, and. And kind of you find your comfort level because I think you do have some recourse if you do want to get if you do want to ask for some of it to be expunged perhaps but you know determine what your comfort level is and make some decisions around the data that you have out there and find comfort with the data that does exist because some of it's very useful no doubt right as 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 we've seen through the way you've acted in the past with some of the data or interacted perhaps so all right well as always yeah you know. Hope we hope that everybody got some value out of this. If if nothing else gets you thinking a little bit about uh, you know what might be out there and sort of what is your comfort level, so give that some thought. Um, and uh, if you feel like discussing the topic a little bit more, you know we we intentionally avoided specific locations of data. And, you know, in some cases, some you know specific types. But if anybody's curious about you know, what are some of these registries or you know where where data might be stored, uh, you. Know, sort of hit us up on on Twitter or LinkedIn and we're happy to keep the conversation going. Uh, Matt, Steve, thanks. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.